Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Johnny Mac, they're playing our song. It's a football yeah. Friday here on Birds 365. You got Mac and Mac guys, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Getting ready for what turns out to be a pretty damn big game for the Philadelphia Eagles come Sunday when they have to go back up to Turnpike to take on the New York Jets. And J-Mac is a different situation than maybe any this year. And we demarked this year because this is Nick Sirianni's first year. So we've never had Sirianni and his staff dealing with what they're going to have to deal with today. Rebounding. Uh, yes, they beat the Falcons week one, but then they kind of leveled off. Then they hit the skids. Then they showed improvement by running the football. And it actually won two straight games before facing off the Jets. And that was a disappointing loss. So I would say this is the biggest rebound game the Eagles have had to play this year, which is a little different than getting ready for every game. They have not faced it before this year. Why should Eagle fans think that this team coached by this guy and his staff can do what they have to do this week to go up the turnpike and beat the Jets. Uh, well, I'm not sure they should. I've leaned on, uh, and I don't want to foreshadow too early in the show, but I think most people know where I'm going to go as far as predicting the game. Um, to me, it's not even about the X's and O's, the coaching staff. We, we had Brian Costello on yesterday. And he mentioned the first time the Eagles played the Jets and Joe Namath is, you know, planning to go. And all of a sudden pregame warmup hurts the knee and something called Al Woodall is in there. I believe the name was. I don't oh, know. It was he Al might, Woodall. Yeah, was, he, was, yeah. he was Joe Namath's backup. I remember yeah. that. Uh, and so it started. And over the ensuing 48 years, for whatever reason, the Jets have never beaten the Eagles it doesn't happen that often. I know, I understand it has nothing to do with Robert Sella. It has certainly has nothing to do with Zach Wilson. The vast majority of the players in this game weren't even here for the Luke Ball game, which was the last time the Eagles beat the Jets. Um, you know, but I think you want Robert Stack to explain this game. Unsolved mysteries. The Eagles are going to beat the Jets because the Eagles always beat the Jets. And it might be a crazy bounce of the football. It might be something weird. It might be a pregame injury, but until I see that happen, I can't even get anything else. The Eagles are beating the Jets because the Eagles always beat the Jets. As far as bounce back. So, so, so what, you, what you're saying is all I have to do is show up. All you have to do is show up. Uh, they're beating be, the Jets. Be careful, uh, Mac man. Nah, I, I don't believe in jinxes. Yeah, every fan. No, you're going to jinx them. I, there's no such thing. But... Uh, as far as, the, the, obviously, that's a little bit of tongue-in-cheek, but I am serious. They're going to win them because they always, they're going to win the game because they always beat the Jets. But as far as the coaching staff and a bounce back, look, you can have a better opponent to bounce back against, maybe Houston. You know, maybe there's only a few teams in the conversation to be the worst team in football, unfortunately. 
it is Jody Mack week. I feel for your brother, but this is not a good football team. So, I mean, from a, a standpoint of being more talented, the Eagles should also win the game from that perspective. And and while I do agree the Eagles are a more talented roster than the Jets, they're a more talented roster than the Giants, too. That's true. And That's true. We they, don't the, have to the, really the reach team back. team doesn't in- always win. Right. We don't have to reach back into the recesses of our memory to remember when the Eagles lost to a team that they were more talented than it was exactly five days ago in that same exact stadium where they'll be toiling on Sunday. It isn't just a, well, take the two rosters, put them next to each other, measure, measure them against each other and circle one. If it were that easy, yeah, then the Eagles would beat the Jets by double-digit points and you'd move on to the next week, which is a bye week. Um, and we've never had a Nick Sirianni team going into a bye week as well. Uh, you noted uh, yesterday here on the show that Wednesday they went walkthrough rather than a full practice. They had what I assume was a full practice yesterday and you were down there uh, for part of it. Um it seemed like any of the post-practice uh, interviews, anything I read as far as quotes go, um, they seem to be handling the loss well and seem to be in a good mindset. Could you pick that up at the short amount of time that you had to view practice yesterday? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I did, you know, a couple of us were, were standing there shooting the breeze. That seemed to be a lack of juice, I will say that. Uh, you know, but it's... Uh, in, in in interconference, Bo, it's not, you know, this time of year and it's after the bye, you see, obviously, it's all NFC East. Last week was NFC East. And all of a sudden, you got in the middle um, a game against the New York Jets. And this is that 17th game. That's the reason it's on the schedule. Um, I didn't see a ton of juice, um, you know, but that kind of stuff can be overrated. Um, I saw no panic either. So you can kind of go down both roads of, of far, as far as where this team is. I, I do think they're, they're very confident, uh, and maybe it stems from that. They're upset that they lost to the Giants. They know they shouldn't have lost to the Giants. But I think they look at it and say, you know, four turnovers, flush it, as Jalen Hurts says all the time, and, and go on to the next one. And I think that's what they're trying to do. And Jalen Hurts limited yesterday in practice, but after the stance and the statement that he made yesterday, uh, we believe he's going to be the starting quarterback and good to go. Now, there's always a chance he goes in there and tweaks his ankle in the first series of plays, and then all of a sudden you, know, you got yourself a Gardner show. Um, but uh, we don't know that until it happens. Uh, but he is the injury that we've kept our closest eye on. It was good to see Miles Sanders back in there. He spoke to the media yesterday, said he's perfectly fine and good to go. But Jordan Howard has not made it back out onto the field just yet. And, oh, by the way, Boston Scott has not uh, practiced either the walkthrough on Wednesday or yesterday's practice because of illness. Now, uh, if it was COVID-related, I think uh, they would have been obligated to report it that way. So, He's got something else, flu related or whatever yeah. else. Didn't know that still existed, but here right. we are. <laughs> that you can actually get sick and not have COVID in uh, 2021. 
Um, all of a sudden, the Eagles' running game, which we believe they will probably attempt to lean more heavily on than they did in the first half last week against the Giants, it's got to come into question with a couple of the key members uh, not being a given to play as of Thursday before a Sunday game. Are we back right back to week one that it's Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell, Boston Scott watches from the sidelines, and Jordan Howard is uh, somewhere up in a booth? <laughs> Watching from well, I do, I do think Jordan Howard's not going to play. Um, so I, I, I do think he's out of the equation, and it makes some sense. Um, with the bye week coming up, you have the extra week, and hopefully you get him uh, up to speed for the final four games in division, as I said. Um, Let me, so if you I, don't, so, Johnny, if you don't mind me interrupting, I'm going to ask you a question off that. Are the Eagles in a position to even have that mindset? Well, we've got the bye week, so let's see if we can give them the extra week. Aren't they, like, desperate to win here? Don't well, they, yeah, like, they are. They are, and I was, I was going to say that, you know, probably if Jordan Howard was healthy, they'd be doing the same thing with Miles Sanders, um, and they'd let him rest through the bye week, but they can't. So... Miles is is going to play, and you know he even he you could hear some doubt in his voice. Like it, to me, it's a, not about starting with Miles Sanders. He's going to start. Is he going to finish? Um, is he going to be able to finish the game with his with his ankle? If Jordan How- Howard were healthy, I think they'd be doing the same thing with Miles Sanders. I I don't think they can do the the same thing with both, and that's where the sense of urgency is. Uh, Miles will be up and he'll be out there and he'll try to go. Ultimately, I think Boston Scott's going to play, but that's just, you know, he doesn't have COVID. So um, whether it's a flu or something, many players have played through the flu over the years. He might not be 100%, but I think he's going to play. So I think you're going to see a lot of Miles Sanders and, and Boston Scott, and hopefully Miles Sanders can finish the game. And that's the bigger thing with all those guys. But I think the biggest, and by all those guys, I mean Jalen Hurts and Jason Kelsey, because they're going to play too. But are they going to finish? Are they going to be able to finish the game? Um, I would say of the three, I would say I'd be most concerned about Miles Sanders. Understood. Um, So if their running attack is what it is, as far as health goes, you're prognosticating that uh, Jordan Howard won't be good to play. Miles Sanders will. Uh, Boston Scott will, so it'll be Scott and Sanders and uh, mixing a little Kenny Gainwell coming out of the backfield for an attempt at a pass or two. Um, Still going to run for 200. <laughs> I'll take the under on no, the Eagles. I'm going point. the under for the reason, though, different reason. Not because of the running backs, because of the quarterback. If Jalen's not 100%, right. that, that's the problem. That's you're, not, the problem. you're not necessarily getting his 60 yeah. or 70, which accounts for a lot on the way to a 200-yard rushing day. Yeah, I don't think that's happening for that reason. And, and oh, by the way, I think the Jets will be stout enough against the run. I don't think the Eagles will just <clears throat> pound it down their throats the way they did the Lions and some of the other teams. I don't think the Jets are going to stop them. I don't think the Jets are going to come out and on the first two Eagle possessions, they're going to get three and outs uh, when the Eagles try and run the ball. Um, But they're not god-awful against the run. They're not good, but they're not god-awful either. So it comes down to a question of 
to run or not to run? That is the question. How much does Nick Sirianni get back to leaning on the run, which you're right, includes, I don't know how many Jalen Hurts some uh, direct run calls that he's going to factor in, but Sanders and Scott and maybe uh, a little game well mixed in. Um, last week, I think they tried to open things up a little bit, at least in the first half. They thought coming in, all right, we're better than the Giants. We don't have to just stick to this. We can have a more balanced offense. We can throw the ball a little bit more. Didn't quite work out in the first half. Didn't work out in the second half either. Truth be told, Jalen Rager can't catch. Um, but there was, I think, a little bit more of a return. And they were, I think they're kind of lucky. Well, but then again, the Giants offense stinks. Um, the, the game was still within their grasp. But they, they second half starts, you can come right out and do uh, exactly what you do because of the scoreboard, it tells you that you can do just that. So it wasn't a good overall game for the uh, Eagles offense anyway you slice it. Did they come in looking to do more like they did against the Lions and have a 70-30 pass-to-run ratio for Sunday? Um, yeah, I, I, I think, you know, that's their understanding now that they're, they're a running team shall we say i mean there's no there's no doubt about it at this point but i do think you know again you're so you use the the lines game as an example well what was the score of that game 44 to 6 what i i forget i'll uh, yeah 44 to 6 well <laughs> well of course you, you you and uh oh by the way i don't want to tip your hand i checked all your philly voice guys uh, with their predictions on the game. Nobody has it close. Uh, John McMullen might have the guy who actually has it closer yeah. than any of the others. So that's why I used the Lion game as an example. A bunch of our media compatriots are saying, well, yeah. yeah, the Eagles just have to show up and go out there on the field and the game's as good as over because when Eagles and the Jets play, it's a foregone conclusion. The Eagles will win it. Yeah, well, and I'm on that train, but I do think it'll be a little bit closer. And I didn't even check what everybody else predicted, but um, to be honest, but uh, from the standpoint of, of last week's game, because I think there's this narrative that the Eagles completely changed. No, they did what you you said they tried to do Jody they thought they were facing an inferior opponent and they thought it, they could do a little bit more things and you think you can evolve the offense a little bit and get the quarterback some confidence and all of a sudden who knows you get to the point you really want to be which is true balance and be a, being able to win a football any way you need football game any way you need to do it that's what they were trying to do and ultimately, it didn't work. It didn't work for a lot of reasons. Early, the decision-making of Jalen Hurts was terrible. No question about it. You mentioned at the end of the game, it was Jalen Rager's inability to catch the football. But, you know, they ran the ball how many times? I, there were there were 60-something plays. Or, right. It was slightly an edge run over pass, like, 33 to 31 or something, some there. Yeah, something they, like that. Something something in that range. And I saw a lot of people say they could have run the ball 60 times and won that football game. And, you know, maybe they could have. But that's not, that's also not realistic. That's not realistic. If, if Nick Sirianni comes out and runs the ball every single time, you're going to be all, you're going to be down his throat. Let's be honest. 
and, and I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to fans, obviously. Um, but the entire final drive, so it's 33-31. It's almost 50%. That's what I said. Oh, I got that right. I didn't yeah. even remember. That's off the top of my head. So, well done. Uh, so we look at it almost 50%. Every play on the final drive there and the desperation drive is a pass because you're losing the game. So even that is skewed. Uh, they were they were far more run heavy than pass heavy for for even most of that game. So that will continue because they can't throw the ball. Now the one consistently. Now the one knuckleball to that is Jalen Hurts' ankle. What if he can't run the ball? And that's what we had the discussion earlier in the week that is now in the rearview mirror. You know, maybe you think about it. If he's not 100%, if he can't add that 65 to 75 yards of rushing, why is he out there? Well, um, because they're not just going to throw Gardner Minshew in. If they're prepping Jalen Hurts to be their starting quarterback. Way back on Monday, you and I talked about this, that what happens if Hurts can't go? That we were hearing... You know, he played in pain in his ankle. When you get off the field and the adrenaline stops flowing, all of a sudden, ankles swell up. There's a chance Jalen Hurts might not play. By the time we got to Wednesday, Jalen Hurts lets all know, oh, no, I'll be good to go. I'm going to play, which means he's getting all the reps this week. And you were very good in telling us on Monday. Yeah, you know, we, we think that the backup guys get reps in practice and they're ready for the game. No. They don't get any reps. The starter gets all the reps because there's so many re- so few reps to even happen with the uh, dumbed down practice schedule that NFL teams have. So you're going to throw Gardner Minshew in because you're going to pull Jalen Hurts because rather than taking off and getting a 14 yard run, he only gets four. I don't think so. Jalen Hurts is staying in there until Jalen Hurts gets hurt and gets pulled out. But it does have an effect on Eagles running game because. If he isn't a weapon that you can look to for breaking a possible big play, yeah, the Eagles' offense is just not the same. Yeah, and the Eagles lead now. They're they're officially number one in rushing in the NFL, 157.9 over the whole season. And you can imagine, okay, uh, 157.9, take away 60 yards off of that average. Yeah. Average. A little bit below average, maybe. The Jets rank 27th in rush defense. They give up 128.7. And that's bottom five, 128.7. So without Jalen Hurts, people talk about the Eagles running game, running game. Miles Sanders mentioned yesterday, look, I'm with Miles Sanders. That offensive line is great. And a great run blocking offensive line, especially. Because Landon Dickerson is already uh, top tier at that part of the game. His issues are uh, pass protection. Same thing with Jordan Mailata, as a matter of fact. When Jordan has trouble, it's on pass protection. It's not run blocking. He's great at it. Um, So, you know, as good as that offensive line is, you take Jalen Hurts' productivity out of that running game, it's average, period, at, at best. And that has more to do with the running backs. 
We will see if uh, Nate Herbig can go without uh, drawing any penalties this week. He's back at the position that Johnny Mac tells us he's best at. He's a guard. He's not really a center. Well, he's being plugged in at right guard because Driscoll is gone for the year. And we'll see if that uh, has any uh, effect on the overall legal running game. It shouldn't because they're that good across the board. Just pulling Herbig and uh, putting Herbig in for Driscoll should not make that big a difference. Now, don't don't sleep on Suo Petty either. Jason Kelsey mentioned he's like Tesla stock. He's shooting he's shooting up the board, man. Don't so, don't sleep on Sua Opeta. You think Sue is playing this week? Nah, I'm, I'm, if if Nate struggles, I think he might get in there. But okay. uh, you know they like Sua Opeta. We'll, we'll see how much they like him if they put him in the game on Sunday. All right, he's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. It is a football Friday. So on a football Friday, we look to add one of our uh, usual elements to the show. And that's game day Kratz. Where is Ed Kratz when you need him? We hope he's coming up next. He hasn't up to board the stream yet, but we're banking on him doing just that. Right here on Birds 365. <laughs> At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You... Could say that.
It's a football Friday here on Birds 365. Thanks for streaming in with us. And while you're at it, look at that smiling, happy face. There's the reason that you need to like this show right now. Hit that like button because we've got the handsome Ed Kratz, game day Kratz, joining us here on Birds 365. You look like you're ready for some football, Kratz. I'm always ready for football, Jody. Yeah, look at that. Wow. That Amen. Some, that, that is some morning excitement. We needed that. I said... Not a lot of juice down at practice yesterday, Ed, Ed Kratz. You getting that feeling this week? Got yeah. all these NFC East yeah. games, and they're in the middle, like a little desert island is the New York Jets. It's up to us to bring the juice, John. You know, if we want juice, you know, it's a BYOJ. Bring your own juice, Ooh. baby. No, BYOJ is bring your own Jets. Be bring careful. <laughs> yeah. Be careful. Yeah. I, hey, Jets are a live dog in this game, if, if you ask me. Oh, wow. Maybe Tell us you got why. a little prediction. Why do you think the uh, Jets present issues or problems for the Eagles? Well, I think they're running the ball pretty good, right? Um, they got their the, the running back. Uh, what, what's his name? Uh, Tevin Coleman. He, uh, you know, he had a pretty nice game last week. The team ran for 157 yards. The Eagles haven't been, you know, they gave up yards on the ground early in the season, and then teams haven't been able to get too much on the ground. The Giants, I think, only had 70 yards against them, but – you know, I think this is a Jets team that can run the ball, and you know that's going to be a test for the Eagles' defense to stop them. Um, I, I love Elijah Moore. I think he's a very uh, dangerous rookie um, for Zach Wilson, and I, and I also like Zach Wilson. You know, here we are, week thirteen. Um, I know he was injured, uh, but I you know I think he's going to keep progressing as the rest of this season goes along, and give Jets fans some confidence going into next year in Zach Wilson. And I think you know he could give the Eagles some trouble in this game. So, you know, the run game, the improving Zach Wilson, uh, I like their defensive line. I think it's pretty underrated at Queen and Williams or Quinn and Williams is very good. Uh, this John Franklin Myers has, has shown some nice things this season uh, and they have a good linebacking core too. So, you know, I think the jets are, are I don't want to say they're the, they're the best three and eight team in the league, but I think they could give the Eagles some trouble here. Yeah, best 3-8 and eight team in the league. That's yeah. the most positivity, Jody Mack. It's Jody Mack week, of course, as the Jets fan. But what about the Eagles in-house? I'm most concerned about not – obviously, the Eagles, to my surprise, Ed, did not play the competitive advantage game this week. I thought that's the way they go because that's the way Nick Sirianni's been going. And we'd, we'd say, oh, we don't know. We'll, we'll see Friday if – Jalen Hurts is able to go. Miles Sanders, Jason Kelsey. They all talked to us. They all said they're playing. The question to me is, are they finishing? I mean, these guys are banged up. Yeah, and, you know, they have a bye week uh, on the other side of this game. And, you know, players, I'm sure, are looking forward to it. They This will be their 13th straight game. This is a very late bye. In fact, I think this is the final bye of the yeah. NFL weekend. Uh, and, and so you know that players are looking forward to it. Now, are they going to be able to put all their focus into, uh, you know, this last game before the bye against the Jets team, who I think they're favored by, uh, by a touchdown? Uh, it's going to be interesting. You mentioned the no juice thing yesterday, and, and that could be, you know, a big factor in this game. Are they going to come out ready to go and ready to empty the tank as they head into the bye? Or are they just going to come out and go through the motions and, you know, look forward to Monday when they can finally get away from the facility and from their teammates and take a break and be with family, friends, whoever. 
that's another reason I, I kind of like the Jets in this game a little bit is because of that is uh, we'll see how the Eagles finish. And you talk about the competitive competitive advantage thing that Nick Sirianni liked to do earlier. It, it looks to me like Jalen Hurts is going to play. It looks to me like Nate Herbig is going to be your right guard in place of Jack Driscoll. Uh, and they were two big questions coming into the week, but they seem to have been solved by the players themselves, really. Uh, the offensive line has talked about Nate Herbig at right guard. Uh, Jalen Hurts himself said his ankle's fine. He's going to go. And even Miles Sanders came out and said that his ankle is good enough to let him play Sunday. But we'll see how effective him and Hurts can be uh, on these ankle injuries. Here's uh, a uh, defensive scheme question for you. You mentioned Elijah Moore, and the rookie wide receiver has had a nice uh, start to his career with the Jets this year. But the Jets are down wide receivers for this game. Uh, the Davis, the Corey Davis from the Titans, their big free agent offseason acquisition, not going to play. Um, Keenan Cole, they got uh, as a free agent during this offseason, also out. COVID issues. So the Jets wide receiving core is not as good as it can be. If they use Elijah Moore in the slot, which they have done, but they also have Crowder, who is a slot. Their two best receivers coming into this game are both actual slot guys, which I don't know if they're going to be used in the slot or they're going to be used outside because their outside guys aren't good to go. How will I know Darius Slay always wants to play the other team's best wide receiver, and they've given him a chance to do a little of that here in the second half of the season, not so much in the first half. What if they put more in a slot and just leave him there? Is Maddox going to cover him the whole game? Well, I, I would suspect Maddox would cover him. You know, maybe you kind of mix and match corners. But listen, Maddox has had a very nice season as well. I think he's capable of covering just about any slot receiver in this league. Uh, but you're right about Slay. He likes to go against the other team's best receivers, and uh, we'll see how they elect to play more. If he's really their only viable threat in the receiving game, and Crowder is as well, and listen, these guys will probably have to line up outside just because of, like you mentioned, Jody, they're you know they're a little shorthanded at that spot. So you know you're going to probably want to give them some outside reps and see how they can fare on you know in one-on-one -on -one matchups on the outside. Um, but I would suspect that yeah. Uh, Maddox would cover more and maybe even bring a linebacker in to help with that or a safety um, kind of double him as he heads out into his route. But, you know, listen, Moore's the kind of receiver I think that the Eagles hope they were getting in Jalen Rager. Um, and it just hasn't worked out that way. Uh, you know, I like this Moore kid. I think he has four touchdowns. So the Eagles are going to have to find a way to play him. Uh, I think they'll initially start with Maddox on him and see how he fares. And if he needs help, they'll give him help. Uh, but yeah, they're going to, when you would mark the other team's weapons, Elijah Moore checks a big box. And I think Tevin Coleman does as well, covering him out of the backfield and in that run game. Uh, you know, 157 yards by a Jets rushing offense last week is pretty significant. And if they can continue to grow that, then they might have something here. I would argue Houston Texans, though, would be that context, at least a little bit, Ed. And obviously, Michael Carter's uh, injured. He was a big part of the Jets' offense. But the biggest part is obviously the quarterback. And they've had so many issues at the quarterback position. Played four different guys, in, uh, including our old friend Joe Flacco. Um, Zach Wilson is back healthy. He's the guy. I think it's interesting – because the Eagles love Zach Wilson, love Zach Wilson. And if you go all the way back to the draft, sort of the first 
linchpin to the move back before they came back up. You know, remember they went down in the draft. They knew there was going to be a firewall between them and Zach Wilson, and they couldn't get him. Now, we had Brian Costello on earlier in the week from the New York Post. A lot of similarities between Zach Wilson and Jalen Hurts in this way. He, he says he's good off-platform. He makes some unbelievable throws. But when he's asked to play in the structure of the offense, he hasn't performed well. Sound familiar? That's what the Eagles are dealing with. Yeah. Well, listen, again, Wilson had some injury time this year, and that might have kind of set him back a little bit. I mean, I think he's a quarterback that can grow within the structure of the offense, just like I think Jalen Hurts can grow within the structure of the offense. And it's a situation where it's not going to happen overnight for either of these players, especially when you factor in the injury issue with Zach Wilson. So I just, you know, I think over these last, what do the Jets have? They're three and eight. So they have uh, what, six games left. Uh, You know, I think if they can, if they can keep Wilson healthy, I think you're going to see him improve as the season goes on, because you're right. The Eagles really liked him. They saw something in Zach Wilson that, probably would have let them draft him had they been able to get in position to do so. Um, But they weren't. He's with New York, and I think he's in good hands with Mike LaFleur uh, and an offensive structure that he's going to grow into. All right. uh, Different people have different opinions on this, so I want to certainly get yours, Ed and John. If you want to chime in, feel free to. How much does Joe Flacco help the Jets this week as an advanced scout? Uh, they're hoping Joe doesn't have to play. They're hoping Wilson plays and get, takes every snap and Joe gets to just uh, hold on to a clipboard, maybe wear a ball cap. But this, like, like right now, today, tomorrow, leading into the game on Sunday, how much can Flacco help out with information on the Eagles, uh, their play calling, their verbiage, what they try and do, the talent of the players that will be playing against the Jets on Sunday? Some people think that that's something that only the smart teams and the best teams take advantage. And other people say poppycock. They don't know. They changed the couple of signal calls. There's no advance notice in this league. How do you think Flacco has an effect on this game on Sunday? Yeah, I think I think he'll have an effect. I mean, we talk about this all the time when other when players from other teams join the opposing team and what kind of intel they can impart. And I think, you know, at most positions, it's a pretty limited base. But with Joe Flacco, he was the quarterback in this system. He he knows, you know, the strengths of the, this receiving core, uh, the weaknesses of this receiving core. He does know, uh, you know, the basic uh, scheme of the offense. And I, and I think that's a valuable resource. And I think Robert Sala is a, a good enough coach to be able to, to pick Joe's <laughs> mind uh, and find out what the Eagles do and what they don't do. And I think that will be a benefit to them, even though he probably won't see the light of day during the 60 minutes yeah. of the game. But behind the scenes, I think he'll be a, a very good resource. I, I'd be interested to see what John thinks about that. You know, it, it is interesting because Robert Sala got asked that very question by our buddy Martin Frank on the conference call. And, and Robert's like, eh, yeah, <laughs> not that he, big of a he deal. He downplayed it. Yeah, he really downplayed it. And I don't think it's because of Joe Flacco. I mean, Joe's a veteran guy. If anybody knows this system, you know, it's probably Jalen Hurts raves about Joe Flacco when he was here and his sort of veteran wisdom as the soothsayer. But, I mean, the Eagles' offense is pretty stinking simple. So I think, you know, Robert Sala could put the film in, and he knows what they're doing. The problem is, can you stop it? 
because the quarterback adds that extra dimension to the run game. And that's the issue. It's always about execution. So, you know, maybe if Gardner Minshew was in the game and it was a little bit more open as far as the passing aspect, maybe it would be a bigger um, edge or advantage because Joe would be that type of more that type of quarterback, just dropping back and throw. He would have a little bit more intel on on what Nick Sirianni would do in those types of situations. But they're not going to do that. So I think I think that's Robert what Robert Sala was kind of alluding to. Like, I know what's going on. But you know, coaches have egos too. He doesn't need help. <laughs> <laughs> See, I would have Joe sitting right next to me in the film room and have him watching film right with me. And yeah, we have to stop it, but how can we make our cornerbacks play better or what kind of leverage situations can we put them in that will help us here? And you know, maybe Joe helps in that regard, but uh, maybe it's the old competitive advantage for Robert Sala. Yeah, maybe downplayed it on purpose. Yeah, downplaying it on purpose, whatever. But, uh, you know, Joe's a smart guy. He's been around he, the league yeah. a long time. I think you'd be foolish not to pick his brain. I had uh, Eagles last week, ended up running the ball more than they were passing it, even though you listen to some of the critiques. How did they get away from the run? Well, they really didn't. Um, the Giants just did a good enough job uh, blocking it. And when Jason Kelsey is out there, damn, if that isn't a domino effect. When he leaves, it seems like everybody else gets a little bit lesser on that offensive line. Assuming help from Kelsey, even though he didn't practice yesterday, um, he does get back out there quicker than any other offensive lineman. I know. Um, how uh, balanced do you think the run-pass ratio is this week? Two to one, even more so than that. Will they attempt to run the football down the New York Jets' throats on Sunday? Well, it's going to be interesting to see what how healthy their backfield is. You know, Jordan Howard doesn't look like he's going to play. He's still not practicing. Miles Sanders is gimpy with the ankle. Boston Scott has had an illness the last couple of days. He hasn't practiced. It's a non-COVID illness. But, you know, who knows how healthy he'll be uh, on Sunday. And then you have a rookie, Kenny Gainwell. Uh, you know, and, of course, Hurts is going to do what he does. He'll run for 50-plus yards, whatever. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how healthy this backfield is. And, you know, look, we saw everybody was, you know, all giddy about this run game and, oh, it's running for over 200 yards and doing things that we haven't seen an Eagles offense do in over 50 years uh, by running the ball. Uh, but, I, you know, I think that they're going to try to pass it again. I think they're going to want to get Jalen Hurts to get rid of this bad taste in his mouth from his three-interception game uh, last week. And I, I think they're going to look to throw the ball more. I think they're going to get Dallas Goddard involved. Uh, I think the Eagles kind of got stung last week with this passing game that really was stuck in the mud. Devontae Smith was targeted twice. Dallas Goddard had three targets, one catch, zero yards. I mean, that that hurts. And I think they're going to want to come out, no, no pun intended on hurts, but uh, I think they're going to want to come out and get Jalen Hurts involved in this offense from a passing standpoint and show that, you know, last week was an anomaly because the Eagles did run for over 200 yards last week. We saw there's more to it than just run, run, run. You have to be able to throw the football, and they couldn't do that last week. And, you know, give the Giants credit. They only rushed four on a lot of their pass plays, uh, dropped seven into coverage, did some things to take away what Jalen Hurts was used to seeing. Uh, and then another thing they did was they hit him after he would uh, do those RPOs and hand yeah. the ball. They would still hit him and make him feel that they were playing him. And, and I think the accumulation of those hits – and that defense caught up to Hurts. So I think the Eagles are going to try to run the ball. 
I don't know who they're going to hand it off to on a consistent basis because of this, this situation in the backfield, but I think the Eagles are going to try to throw the ball and prove that last week was an anomaly, and they're going to want to get Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard involved. Now, I know the name I didn't hear there, Ed, Jalen Rager. I who? did not hear Jalen Rager. <laughs> um He's going to play because he gives the Eagles the best chance to win, according to Nick Sirianni. Right. At what point do you have to pull the plug on Jalen Rager? Well, uh, I don't think they'll pull it this year. I think there's a good chance it gets pulled in the offseason. You know, it's going to be a tough situation to try to trade him unless he tries, you know, builds up his stock a little bit over the final month and a half here. But, uh, I just don't see how you can go back to him and count on him to make a play. Maybe they'll try to get him a little more involved in the run game, kind of like they did uh, a few games ago. And with this backfield being in the shape that it's in, maybe they'll try to get him started on the ground. But, you know, to put him in a high leverage situation, I think he has to rebuild that trust and that confidence somehow uh, because as Nick Sirianni also said, is this is an offense that runs through six and 88 Smith and Goddard. Uh, for some reason, the game plan didn't lead them to those two receivers and they went to Jalen Rager. Uh, and again, probably credit to the giants. They took away some things that Smith and Goddard were used to doing. And that left Rager is really the only option. And he showed that he's not ready for that type of situation yet. And it's going to take him, I think some time to rebuild the trust from the coaching staff and maybe even from Jalen Hurts to go back to him. So I wouldn't expect a high volume target game from Jalen Rager, uh, but I would think that maybe they'll get him involved in the run game a little bit more, especially given how this backfield is with the injuries and the illness and whatnot. All right, Ed, uh, the first time on this week for you, John and I talked about Jalen Rager on an item yesterday. <laughs> um, so I've got John's opinion on it. I need yours. If we can all agree that Rager's play Sunday against the Giants was less than stellar, or in other words, he sucked. Um, <laughs> if, if, if there's 100% blame to give out on his god-awful game against New York last week, what percentage does Jalen himself take what percentage does his quarterback take who continued to throw the ball to him, even though he had proved he can't catch it? What percentage does Nick Sirianni take because he keeps feeding Rager reps, and if he's out there and the defense says, we dare you to throw it to him, yeah, the quarterback just might pull the trigger. And what percentage does Howie Roseman at all, the entire organization, that they don't, didn't uh, provide the coaching staff with other options? Uh, John has made it blatantly clear to me that Greg Ward can't play, that he's just not good enough, that he doesn't fit their system, that they're afraid to put him out there on the field. Well, uh, Howie Roseman gave him this group of wide receivers. So of the four areas where I think blame could be shared, Rager, his quarterback, his coach, the organization, how would you break down the 100% of Jalen Rager's failure last week? Uh, I'd put it on Rager at the top. I mean, I'm not real good with percentages. I could give you percentages, but chances are it won't add up to 100 or it will add up to 133. <laughs> we round off here on Bird Street 65 all the time. Just get close to 100, Eddie. We won't knock you. I'm going to give – I'm going to get. all right, I'll try to make this easy for me. Uh, 50% on Jalen Rager. Uh, listen, 
you have to catch football. Uh, and there were two passes that he should have caught. Now, should it have come down to those two plays in, in the game against the New York Giants who uh, weren't playing particularly well? No, it shouldn't have. But the fact is it did, and he dropped those balls. And, uh, you know, shame on him for doing that, okay? So I'm giving half of the blame to Jalen Rager himself. He has to make plays in big spots, and he didn't do that. And then I'm going to give another percentage to Nick Sirianni. I'll give him maybe uh, 25. Well, let's give him 30% of the blame for this. Uh, He should have seen what the Giants were doing defensively. There should have been some adjustments, and maybe you can point to Jonathan Gannon on that, uh, or or, or rather uh, Shane Steichen too, because he's his assistant offensive coordinator. The two of those guys should have diagnosed a little bit quicker what the Giants were doing and tried to find ways to counteract how they were playing Smith and Goddard maybe use a little bit more motion. And then what's curious about uh, Sirianni's game plan is, you know, during the game, I think it was the first possession out of the, uh, out of the locker room at halftime, the Eagles came up with a third and two and a fourth and two, and he threw it both times. And this was after running the ball for 27 yards to start this drive, then five yards, then three yards. And he threw it twice, including once to Rager, uh, that would have been a first down had it been a better throw, had Jalen Rager been able to make a better play on it. Uh, but it was interesting to see that two cracks from third and two and then fourth and two, he, he threw the ball instead of running it. Uh, so I'm going to put some of this on Sirianni uh, as well for his game planning, for his failure to kind of diagnose what the Giants were doing uh, to figure out ways to get Smith and Rager more involved. And then what did I give him? 30%. So I have 30% left. I'm, I'll give uh, – you know, I'll give maybe fifteen uh, percent of that to Hertz and fifteen percent to the organization, or maybe twenty to Hertz and ten to the organization. Because okay. I, I think I think Hertz, you know, he listen, he he made some bad decisions in that game. That first interception he threw down when they reached the twenty, that could have been called a purse uh, uh, pi a pass interference call because it looked like Watkins kind of got hooked. And- yeah, why did why did Fox never give us a replay of that? You think they just didn't have it? Because they certainly commented it on the broadcast. I don't know about Merrill and Mike, but they said on Fox, oh, it looks like he may have been interfered with. And then they never showed us a replay. What the hell? Yeah, listen, I I don't think they're getting the first team uh, production crews on these games anymore. So, (laughs) you know, maybe that had something to do with it. Yeah. You know, to me, it looked like Watkins got hooked down near the five yard line and kind of got thrown off his route. And that made it an easy interception for, I think it was Darnay Holmes who picked it, but uh, you know, that, that was a, that was a tough one. Uh, But you know, Jalen hurts that, that interception at the goal line, my goodness, uh, you can't have that. You just can't. I mean, and even, and maybe that's someone Suriani too. I'll give, you know, listen, hurts is a competitor. He's in the heat of the moment in that situation. Nick Suriani has to get in his ear and his helmet and say, listen, we have eight seconds left. We already have three points in our back pocket. If that play's not there, if this play's not there, throw it away. Throw it in the back of the end zone. Don't go running all over the place like he did. That's all on Jalen Hurts right there. Uh, yeah. You know, that that's just a bad decision by Hurts. But he's trying to make a play, so I'm going to give Sirianni some of that. Sirianni, sure, Hurts has played a lot of football, and he should know. But you're in the moment. You want to get a touchdown in that situation. As the head coach, you need to say, listen, Jalen, we're calling this quick hit to Goddard or whoever. If it's not there, just chuck it to the back of the end zone. Get rid of it. Throw it out of the end zone. Didn't do that. Uh, squandered opportunity. And then Howie, listen, you know, you have to give some blame to him as this receiving core. We're still talking about how 
Unbelievable. You got to give you got to give more blame to Howie Roseman because we're still talking about it. They can't fix it. You know, Ed, you brought up the Quest Watkins play, which you're right on. On first glance at at the stadium, I thought they they were just on the wrong page, Hertz and Watkins, and it looked like Hertz thought he was going to continue across the field, which was the case. Um, and you mentioned Quest did get hooked. But you got to fight through that a little bit. You got to try to fight through that. And then the last play of the game where everyone's upset because Jalen Hurts is not a touch thrower that can lob the football over James Bradbury. They think he's wide open. The lost part of that is Quez Watkins did a terrible job on the crossing route and what he's trying to accomplish. I mean, this position is an organizational failure. And can you imagine if they didn't double down with DeMonte Smith? And DeMonte's basically so naturally gifted, they can't screw him up. I think. I hope. Yeah. It's been amazing, this organizational failure. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, and again, some of that's got to be on the coaches, too. I mean, they have to develop these guys. They right. have to teach them how to run the property. And that's course. their position. That's Nick's right. position. It, it, this is Nick Sirianni's ballywick. This is yeah. his wheelhouse. What yeah. eagle-wide receiver on this year's team has improved? None. Nobody. Watkins' yeah. numbers are up because he's just getting that much more of an opportunity. But who can you say, and John and Ed, you guys were there, first day down at the uh, – the camp from day one to today who's gotten better as a wide receiver over the course of the year under Nick Sirianni I would suggest zippity doo nobody right well I, it's hard to disagree with that I mean we haven't seen I mean even Devontae Smith hasn't taken that next step from college I mean he's he's doing what he did in college but you know he he needs to do more he needs to figure out ways to get open a little more consistently uh but yeah I, you're right <laughs> Quez Watkins certainly hasn't. JJ, maybe JJ Ortega Whiteside. I mean, yeah, he's, I he's got two catches JJ. for crying out loud. Uh, you know why? You know, JJ, Watkins, because they, they taught JJ Ortega yeah. Whiteside out of block. Good job there, coaching staff. <laughs> the only reason, though, that JJ hasn't proved, he hasn't proved because he was at the ground floor to begin with. He had sunk to the basement. You couldn't go down any further. Now yeah. he's back on the first floor. Um, but yeah, remember how much time Nick would spend with the receivers? In training camp, very hands on, very yeah, hands on. I, yeah. I would point out. I said, "Look, you got to be the head coach. Get the hell away from the receivers." It hasn't worked. <laughs> I it, it just hasn't worked. Um, yeah. And listen, Aaron Moorhead was brought back here. I mean, there were everybody thought he was leaving. Aaron Moorhead himself thought he was going to be let go, uh, but the Eagles and Nick Sirianni chose to bring him back. So maybe you have to look there too. Is Aaron Moorhead? You know, what kind of job is he doing as the position coach? Um, but because yeah, these it's your job. Listen, Roseman gave him who he thought were competent receivers. You know, he even Hightower hasn't been able to be a factor after we saw some good things from him early last year in his rookie year. He's kind of you know falling off the radar here. So I, you know, listen, you, these players have to be developed. Howie has given him a group of receivers and it has entrusted them to a staff that needs to make them improve, needs to figure out ways to get them to improve. And and they just haven't done that. Uh, and, and that is surprising. Cause like you said, John, we saw Nick Sirianni very hands-on touching these receivers, pointing them in the direction they should go back in training camp, you know, 
all a lot of his time was spent with the receivers. Now, maybe as the season has gone along, we're not out there watching practices. We're not seeing it. Maybe he has kind of taken his hands off of that and turned it over more to Aaron Moorhead. But whatever's happening just isn't good enough. And uh, I don't think you can just say it's Howie. I think a lot of it's on the coaches to develop and to teach these guys how to do the right things. Let me ask you about one of the results from last week. We touched on Devontae Smith. We haven't gone over to the tight end yet. Uh, Dallas Goddard had exactly the same amount of yards that John McMullen had, Ed Kratz had, or Jody McDonald had in that game on Sunday. Zero. He had one catch for no yards. That's not good. Uh, They just paid Dallas Goddard as one of the higher paid tight ends in the National Football League. We get it. When it's your turn and you're one of the top, you're going to end up being the top or very close to it because that's the way the NFL works. All the salaries continue to go up. But then expectations have to get into the ballpark as well. I don't think zero one catch for zero yards is reaching those expectations. Not even close. Is Dallas good Goddard good enough that when the other team decides, well, we're going to work real hard at keeping Dallas Goddard from getting the football, the best of the best find ways to get open. The best of the best find ways to make uh, catches and plays and uh, move the ball down the field. Dallas Goddard couldn't do that. And I know there's blame to go around on the quarterback and the play calling and everything else, but Dallas has got to take some of it. How disappointing was Goddard's basic shutout last week, knowing that the Eagles are committed to him for many millions for years to come? Yeah, listen, he. I think he can get open. I think he can run routes, uh, not as well as Zach Ertz can, but he learned under Ertz. I think he's capable of getting open. And, uh, you know, I think he was left in the block a lot. Uh, this past week, for whatever reason, I think he did a lot more blocking than he did pass pa- uh, running pass patterns. But, uh, yeah, he, he has to be involved. I'm not sure he was that involved in the game planning for the passing game for whatever reason. Um, but I think he can get open. I, you know, I think he's good enough to be able to get open. Uh, but, again, I think it just comes down to the game planning with him, and they, they just didn't involve him much in the offense. I mean, three targets, that guy should be getting, you know, five to ten targets every single game. Uh, and you know, it just didn't happen for him. And I, and I think that's on the game plan because I think Goddard can get open if you let him go out there and, and, and run patterns. But I think they left him in the block a lot. And he talked about that. You know, he said that he was pretty heavily involved in the run game. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure how often he went out for passes in this game. Yeah. Um, last one from me, Ed, uh, and, and before I get to it, I want to mention obviously Ed and myself at SI.com's Eagle Maven, SI.com backslash NFL backslash Eagle Maven or just EagleMaven.com. Um, Ed, we haven't talked about the defense much this week at all. Is that because of all the issues on the offense and everything to talk about there, or has Jonathan Gannon settled this group down to where you say, yeah, you know, there's some talent issues we know on the back seven, especially at linebacker and safety, but for what they have, this is turning into a a pretty good group. Is that where we are? 11th ranked defense in the NFL as I look at it right now. Yeah. Very good against the run as well, which will be a nice test for the, you know, against the Jets. But, um, but yeah, I, I think that this was an offensive game. I mean, and, and literally and figuratively, I mean, this was offensive to fans who had to watch this <laughs> Eagles offense struggle for three quarters and five seconds before they figured out how to score a touchdown. 
and I think that's where the biggest disappointment lies. So yeah, the defense does get overlooked in this case. All the off, all the attention is on the offense, and you know, seven points in a modern NFL football game, uh, where all the rules are slanted toward the offense, you should score more than seven points. Jalen Hurts has three interceptions. That's certainly been a huge talking point. Um, so, yeah, the defense has been overlooked. Has it stabilized? I mean, they certainly played a very good game. They are playing well. Uh, I'm still concerned with Alex Singleton. I did a story on him, and he's their leading tackler again. He's going to lead this team in tackles for a second straight year. But a lot of those tackles are after some yards have been gained. So uh, I'm still concerned that not having, and I never thought I'd say this, Davion Taylor <laughs> available. <laughs> would, would hurt this defense. Uh, so, listen, they, they should play well against the Jets again. I don't think this is going to be a real high-scoring game. Uh, and, and, but the Eagles' defense has stabilized. I think they're getting good play from their cornerbacks, uh, Nelson, Slay, and Maddox. And, by the way, that Nelson pass interference that set up that first Giants touchdown was just ridiculous. Bad call. was not a P.I. But I like the way Nelson is aggressive. Uh, I like the way the cornerbacks are playing. And we've seen Fletcher Cox kind of up his game since this trade deadline passed. Uh, you know, he's been more of a factor. So, yeah, the defense is playing well. I think Jonathan Gannon might be figuring out what this defense can and can't do. And he's playing more to its strengths. Now, you know, we'll see how that holds up over the final month and a half here. But good signs so far uh, these last few games. Um, but, again, overlooked because of a bad, bad offensive performance against the Giants. All right, Game Day Kratz, uh, much like myself and Johnny Mack, uh, you thought the Eagles were going to win last Sunday and win relatively handily. We were all on that train, which got derailed by uh, Big Blue. Uh, how's the train running up to MetLife Stadium again? Pulls in, Eagles get off, they get back on it a winner, they get back on it a blowout winner, they get back on it with Jordan Mailata crying again. How does the game go on Sunday between the Eagles and the Jets? Yeah. I, I, you know, go up to Jordan Mulata and ask him why he's such a crybaby and see what he does. Six, six, eight, 380 pounds coming down. Oh, no, I'll say that right here on Bridge 365. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, I don't need to yeah. go in the locker room to ask that question. Jason Kelsey got asked all those toughness questions before you give us your prediction. He was trying to come up with an explanation uh, or a definition of what a tough guy is and he couldn't come up with one and he finally brought up a Bronx tale. but I said the definition is easy because Kelsey cries all the time now he's Dick Vermeil now too Jordan Mylotta can cry and nobody's going to go up to him and call him a cry baby that's a tough guy when you can cry yeah. at any moment and everybody knows guess what that guy can still kick my ass. That's a tough guy. <laughs> yeah, those guys wear their emotions on their sleeves, yeah. both good and, you know, in the in yeah. the crying realm. But, uh, yeah, my prediction, listen, they, these two teams scrimmaged against each other in the summer. That's kind of been a big talking point this week is how much, you know, you take away from that. And, you know, I don't really think you can take much. But, you know, Alex Singleton made a good point that it got chippy in those practices uh, back in August. And, you know, he thinks that it, it's going to be a pretty chippy game this week as well. He's not saying it's going to be a, and he said this, a full out, all out first quarter brawl or anything, but he said there's going to be some chippiness in this game left over from the summer. Uh, but I think, listen, I, I'm tempted to take the Jets, but I'm going to go with the Eagles in this one. But I think the Ooh, Jets. Are, I thought you were leaning Jets. I know. I Listen, I, I do think the Jets are going to cause the Eagles problems here. 
just because of some of the personnel issues I mentioned earlier, but because the Eagles are going into a bye, I'm sure they're really looking forward to it. Are their minds going to be right? But I, I think that last week's, you know, slap in the face against the Giants is going to kind of refocus this team, at least for this week, and show that last week was an anomaly. Jalen Hurts isn't a three-interception-a-game quarterback. He's done a pretty good job taking care of the ball all season until last week. Uh, but I, so I think kind of that, the way they lost that game, had the Eagles won last week, maybe I'd feel differently, but I just think that they're going to want to come out and prove that they are a better team than what they showed last week. And are the Jets going to be able to keep up? I don't think so. I think the Eagles will win the game. I think they'll put up 23 and I think the Jets will put up 17. So I'm going to go Eagles 23, Jets 17. Okay. And that means the Eagles are at least in part lifted to victory by the special teams player of the month in the NFL. Yeah. You got three Jake Elliott field goals in that 23 there, Kratz? Or a missed PAT, Jody. Uh, you know, not, no, <laughs> he's the special teams player of the month. He can't miss a PAT now. You know how these kickers are. They're, you know, you just never know. It's all mental. Uh, you know, how comfortable it, are they in the mental a different space? story than November, uh, huh? Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> listen, I'll say positively, yes. Three Jake Elliott field goals, it won't be a missed PAT. Very yeah. good. All right, Eddie, always a pleasure, buddy. Thank right, you thanks, much. Guys. Yeah, we'll be reading you after the game on Sunday. Thanks for uh, coming on with us. That is Ed Kratz here with us on uh, Birds 365. Yeah, I'm, I'm with him. I think it could be a big Jake Elliott day. I think he picks up in December right where he left off in November. Had a great, great season, very consistent, and that's one of those things. That's what you love from your kicker. If you're not talking about your kicker, you know, you got a good situation. Same thing with all the specialists. If you're not talking about them, they're doing their jobs. Quickie question for you, and we got to get a break in and bring up our number two. Um I just started to feel this way and I've only been watching the NFL for 50 years um, with the fact that kicking seems to be more difficult than it's ever been uh, yeah they're asking them to kick from over 50 yards that much more often but uh, they've made a lot of changes and nuances nobody kicks off anymore uh, as far as run backs go just please kick it to the back of the end zone saying so take it to 25 but with uh, field goals I have that much more confidence on a guy who puts it dead center between the uprights. I know it doesn't matter. It it doesn't matter whether you just sneak it inside the upright or you just cross the crossbar. Give me a guy who kicks it right down the friggin' middle with a little distance to spare, and I just have that much more confidence in him. And that's why I think Jack Elliott. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. It won and deserved uh, the player of the month. Yeah, and that's why I love Justin Tucker. I have a crush on Justin Tucker. I mean, everything is right down the middle. Everything is above the highest point of of the goalpost. Uh, Yeah, that's the greatest kicker of all time. But, you know, it's interesting because Jake Elliott is now – Helped by Tyler Brown, who is the son of Randy Brown, who's been 
who's from your town, part of the Marlton Mafia, former Marlton mayor Mafia. Uh, of Marlton. Um, and he's been around Justin Tucker for a long time. I don't know if it, you know, I don't know. I asked Jake that yesterday, you know, do you learn anything from a kicker like that? And I don't know if he can do anything. It's up, up to you, but he's, he's been very consistent. He's been very good this year, Jake Elliott. Right down the middle, almost every friggin' kick. I hate, nothing makes me more crazy than when they say he's trying to fade the football. Yeah, this isn't golf. Yeah, Kick it between be. the two sticks. It's pretty damn simple. Yeah. When you can power it through, you know, just bang it down the middle. I agree with you. And Jake has done just that. They may need him to do it plenty on Sunday against the Jets. <clears throat> All right, McMullen and McDonald, you're Mac and Mac guys. Still got a full hour to play almost here on Birds 365. Kratz is on the record. Eagles win. You'll find out. I thought he, he fooled me. I thought he was going Jets. He he, he did a little uh, okie doke on you. He, mm-hmm. he did make it sound like he was leaning toward the Jets. You'll find out what Johnny and I think. That much more. Hour number two, Birds 365, coming right back. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You... Could say that.
He's John McMullen. I am Jody McDonald. That would make us Mac and Mac, and that would make us Birds 365 here. Getting ready, getting you primed and prepped for the Eagles and the Jets. What's that all-time record between the Eagles and the Jets? 11 and 0, Jody. 11 and 0. Can't believe the Jets have never found a way once to beat the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm actually tired of watching the Jets and Eagles play. Unfortunately, it's in preseason, and it's almost always the last preseason game when you're getting yeah. That, when you that had many- four, it was yeah, it was such a torture. And uh, going up the Jersey Turnpike for the fourth preseason game, ugh. I mean, uh, it's no better for the third, but. Those all important last four roster spots that are decided on that night by who plays the best against each other. A right? tradition yeah, really. unlike any other. You <laughs> think it's the Masters. Going all Jim Nance on us is Johnny Mac. Um, yeah, it's a tradition that the Eagles love because they beat the Jets like a drum every time that they play. Uh, might be a little bit different this week, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. Um, before we get back into the Eagles and the Jets, uh, you watched Thursday Night Football last night? I did. And I'm going I'm to confession time, confessional time. Um, I was just about to tweet uh, early in the game, obviously. <laughs> I was I was pretty impressed with the way Taysom Hill was playing quarterback. Oh. There were some early throws. I was like, wow, that's not bad because I expect the worst. And then by the end, he's just throwing the ball all over the place. He's just throwing interception after. I'm glad I did not tweet that. I'm glad. But, you know, in a larger perspective, I brought it up with Zach Wilson, Jalen Hurts. This is what drives coaches crazy, man. You got these guys you can make plays running the football, but they can't run the structure of the offense. And then you, you get into these issues where you're behind and you're desperate. And it turns into what it turned into last night. From the Eagles' perspective, though, as I said, I think that's better. I really do. Get the Saints out of the equation. Too many teams. And again, I'm talking about the seventh playoff spot. For the people, for the pie in the sky people that thought the Eagles were chasing down the Cowboys. They're not chasing down the Cowboys. That one drive with the three receivers where where C.D. Lamb... Just made Malcolm Jenkins look silly. And earlier you had the pass to Cooper, and then you had the great fade to Michael Gallup. Think about those three receivers. We're talking about the receivers on the Eagles. Now they haven't had them. Cooper's been out on COVID. Um, Lamb had the concussion. Gallup was injured earlier in the year. Now they're out there. That's 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 the best group in the NFL. Formidable wide receiver group. Uh, it's funny that you say that about Taysom Hill. Um, I remember last year when the Saints came to town and uh, Jalen Hurts had his best rookie game of the year. Uh, and uh, I little did we know that that was foreshadowing of Jalen Hurts going to become the starting quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles going forward. He had replaced Carson Wentz, but I don't know that anybody thought – Oh, we've got our guy now. It's a good thing we use that second-round pick on him because he's our guy. Uh, But a whole lot has happened in between since. I remember watching Taysom Hill play that night, and I said, this guy can't play quarterback in the NFL. He just can't. He's a nice weapon to have. He can run the ball, can catch the ball, can with – 
funky, well-designed plays, end around, direct snap, have him throw when it doesn't look like it. But starting quarterback taking all no. the snaps every single game can't happen. And when you go back and check his numbers from last year, they're not as bad as I would have thought because I watched the Eagles and the Saints every single play. I didn't watch any other Saint game where I watched every play. I watched every play of that one, and I said, why is this guy a quarterback in the National Football League? It's a joke. <laughs> he can't play quarterback. Yeah. Sure enough, we jettisoned ahead to this year. You're right. He did not play badly early. He made a couple of nice throws. Yeah, and then that's the problem. Up his finger, and it was interception after interception yeah. after interception. He can't be a quarterback in this league. No, because consistency is the thing. And you got to be able to, to perform on schedule. It's great off schedule. It's all, it's great, but you can't count on it. That's what coaches say all the time. You can't just assume that's coming. It's great when it happens, but you have to be able to run the offense within the structure of the offense to a lesser degree. Cause it's certainly not that bad uh, with Taysom Hill. That's what the Eagles are dealing with with Jalen Hurts, and that's what um, the Jets are dealing with right now with Zach Wilson. Um, now they have a much, both have much larger upsides than a Taysom Hill, um, so I don't want to frame it like that. But you know, it, it doesn't matter if you can make a nice throw. In, in this spot if you can't do it consistently doesn't make it doesn't matter if you make a big play if you can't make good decisions and stack good decisions and that's why the greatest quarterbacks of all time also happen to be oh by the way the most consistent quarterbacks of all time week after week after week after week the, the you know the two guys I always bring up in recent history to me Tom Brady's the most obvious but I always put him as the outlier of everything. Are, are Peyton Manning, because the two most consistent quarterbacks I've ever seen are Peyton Manning and um, Aaron Rodgers uh, from week to week. You, you, you when, when, say, 15 years uh, before, I don't, I don't know how long Peyton played. It was, he played at a higher level longer than that. But for 15 years, Whatever team he was quarterbacking, that fan base never went into a game thinking they were going to lose the game. They knew they had a chance. They knew they were in the football game. Doesn't mean you don't win them all. Doesn't mean you don't get smacked in the face, even play a really poor game and lose. But you had that confidence. Same thing with Aaron Rodgers. Packers fans, I always say, most spoiled fans in the world. They never go into a football game thinking they're losing a football game, nor should they. Doesn't mean it happens occasionally, obviously, but you get my point. Uh, that's that's what coaches are looking for. Obviously, it's very hard to find, but you can you can put on highlights of Taysom Hill, and this is, you know, sort of the warning to from watching highlights and YouTube clips and. Taysom Hill's going to make some spectacular plays from the quarterback position. Doesn't mean he's a good quarterback. Jay Mack, you mentioned the Dallas wide receiving core, which is dynamite, might be the best in the National Football League. I, I agree with you there. 
uh, and Gallup was the guy who got the touchdown pass. CD made the big play to get it down inside the five and then free Gallup agent, made, free agent. That's where I'm going. Um, we talked about the Eagles upgrading their wide receiver core, and you tell me there's no way they're going to take a wide receiver in the first round again this year, but they're guaranteed to get a veteran wide receiver in here, something that on a weekly basis it looks like they just dropped the ball this year by not adding someone along those lines. You want the best of the best, and the Eagles are going to have some cap flexibility going into next season. Um, so they're going to be a player on any wide receiver they want. The question is, how high is high? How high is Devontae Adams going to go if he doesn't re-sign with Green Bay before the offseason gets here? How much is Mike Williams going to get paid from the Chargers, who's a dynamite young player uh, and has put up some big numbers so far in his career? Michael Gallup is going to be one of those free agent wide receivers at the end of the year. Uh, I don't think the Cowboys are going to be able to compete to keep him. Um, the, the Cowboys, oh, by the way, not bad at managing their cap as well, um, but they, they're paying Cooper as much as they are. They know they're just around the corner from having to pay C.D. Lamb a whole bunch of money. So you can only put so much money into one position. How, how high would you go to have Michael Gallup be the number two to Devonta Smith here in Philadelphia? It's one of those improve your own team and also maybe give your major opponent a little bit of a nick along the way by taking them off the board for them. Uh, how aggressive do you think the Eagles go after Gallup offseason? I I would be very aggressive for that particular player for the reasons uh, you just mentioned. Um, plus, when you do go into free agency, that's the kind of guy you want to get in free agency because um, he's 25, um, so he's coming off the rookie deal. He's not older, um, so in theory he should be entering – the prime of his career. Uh, so it's about evaluation. Obviously, he's a number three there. He'd be a number two or a 1B here, you could argue. Um, you know, he's going to get paid like a one. Um, you know, some of the websites that do um, the projecting uh, of players who are going to hit the free agency market, Um you know, Spotrack is very good at it. Uh, yeah. Over the cap is very good at it. But, um, you know, they got him up in the four years, $50 million range. Um, but the one, and I mentioned this, we talked about it, I think, a little bit last week with Devontae Adams, who I don't think would, hey, hey you know, Green Bay's not going to let him leave. But um, in the case, Gallup is different because you, you already have C.D. Lamb. You already have Amari Cooper. You can't play pay three receivers like that. You just can't do it. Right. So they're, they're up against it from that standpoint. So he might be available. He might get to the open market. You're going to have to overpay. Now the, the issue, and I think I mentioned it with Adams receivers want the football and he's a guy who's been number three. He wants to prove he's a number one. And this is not a passing driven team. And he's going to have other teams after him. He's going to have other teams willing to make him the number one receiver, willing to throw money, and on top of it, probably be better. And again, it has to be a certain situation. I probably have a higher 
uh, uh, volume passing offense where he can put up numbers and then who knows down the road, get another contract. That's, that's the goal of players. So the Eagles might be up against it from the standpoint of if they're going to run this run heavy offense, not a lot of big name receivers are going to want to be here in free agency. So you know where that's going to take me, Johnny Mac. Let me repeat my question from you the other day. Will the Eagles take a wide receiver in the first round of the draft again? If you're telling me that no wide receiver worth the salt is going to come here because they know the Eagles are going to run the football and yeah, they can promise me everything, but I don't know that I'm getting 85 targets this upcoming season. Well, the only way to get that uh, 1A to Devontae Smith maybe via the draft. Will Howie Roseman do it again? Uh, no, not in the first round. Uh, but he will draft a receiver. And if he can't, if he can't pick guys in the first round, why would we think that he's well, he technically to pick a guy he's, in the second or third round? Technically, he's been better in the in the later rounds. So how did you do in the second round? Well, not not well. But you know, Avante Maddox is a fourth round pick. He's turning in. No, we're talking in, wide receivers. No, I know they've been bad at wide. They're not. I mean, they've been bad. At, they had to have a wide receiver placed on their plate, and who was refined already. I get what you're saying. Yeah, I don't have confidence in it. I'm. I. I've been told they're not taking the receiver. Now it was in a joking fashion, but it was in a non-joking fashion. They can't go down that road again. They can't. They can't go down that road again. And and. By the way, nor should they for the same reason, but in a different way. If you're going to be a run-heavy offense, why why are you taking another receiver? Devontae's not happy. Uh, he doesn't John, get the football. John, you, know the answer, you know the answer to that. I know. Right? You and play. I have both said it here on Birds 365. I know. You have to have balance. You can't just run the football and think you're going to the Super Bowl. Not in the NFL well, in 2022. I thought you were going down a different road, actually. I thought, yeah, they're changing the quarterback. When they change the quarterback, all of this is on the table. But until then, free agent wide receivers are probably not going to want to come here. Now, if Russell Wilson's here, that changes the equation. Yeah, Michael Gallup's going to be on the first plane. Yeah, he's going to want to be here. Um, anybody's going to want to be here. Um, so the the equation can get changed really, really quickly. But how uh, if they're structured the way they're structured now, if they have to keep Jalen Hurts for another season, it's going to be difficult uh, to go on the free agent market, getting a high-level receiver. You can get a mid a middling guy to, who would still be an improvement by the way but a guy like michael gallup who's going to have a bunch of suitors a bunch of money thrown at him a bunch of situations he's going to pick a better situation for him all right which gets us back into the quarterback conversation and we'll talk more about jalen hurts when we come back it's kind of big game for him i started the show talking about the mindset the Eagles are in this week, we haven't seen it yet this year. They had actually picked it up. They were peaking a little bit, maybe even got a little big on themselves and smelled themselves into the game. Yeah. Major letdown, loss to the Giants. Uh, By the way, they- Jody, after the break also, I want to throw the craziest statistic I've seen this year at you. Really? This one blew me away. 
I want to throw that. Just give me a general hint. We haven't been talking about the defense. It's defense related. Okay. And it's going to shock you. I am ready for that. And yes, I have a couple more uh, Jalen Hurts questions for Johnny Max since he's going back and forth between whether Jalen Hurts will be here or not. And, And John and I have been consistent. Let's play the whole season now. Before we make a definitive statement, let's let the season play out. But we do have leanings. We've leaned every single week. There's a new leaning every single week. And the leaning went the wrong way last week with Jalen Hurts. Will it lean back in the trending wealth uh, direction this week? Uh, Come back with more Birds Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You... Could say that. Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen and Jody McDonald. Here we go, Birds 365. All right, Jay Mack, you told me you had a mind. Oh, my. Uh, this is, this is, you know, we got into it with Jonathan Gannon this week about the pass rush because people in Philadelphia, uh, they're concerned about the pass rush. They got 19 sacks, which is, I think, bottom five in the league. Uh, the Jets are one of the only 
I think one of four teams that are worse or have don't have at least 19. There's a couple teams tied. Um, uh, and on and on. And, and we know how that goes. But and, and, you know, it was also brought up that they're weirdly in the top five in pressure rate quarterback hurries and 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 things like that quarterback hits and things like that, which is weird. I mean, normally, if you get to the quarterback a lot, you get to a lot of sacks. Hasn't happened for the Eagles. So I started looking around for what people were talking about, this uh, pressure rates and, you know, analytics. So ESPN has this goopy analytics uh, uh, called Pass Rush Win Rate Metric, Jody. Uh, And, you know, the top... Defensive ends are as you would expect. Miles Garrett is number one uh, in this metric. Micah Parsons, who we saw again last night, how good is he, by the way, was number three. And by the way, I pat myself on the back. And draft people killed me for saying, I think Parsons is an edge rusher. Uh, He can play linebacker. They said, no, his arm's too small. How's he getting to the quarterback? He's getting to the quarterback pretty well. So he's number three. Um, so all the names you would expect, T.J. Watt is number six. Max Crosby's number eight. Yeah, right? Makes sense. Uh, defensive tackles, obviously Aaron Donald's number one. Why wouldn't he be? He's always number one. Makes sense. Javon Hargrave's number two. I think that doesn't surprise people. He's got a lot of sacks. He's number two in the NFL. Fletcher Cox is number six in the NFL, in this metric. Now, but here's the crazy part. Number two, edge rusher, Derek Barnett. Number three, edge rusher, tied with Micah Parsons, Josh Sweat. Every single eagle in the top ten stunned me, stunned me. Stunned me. I would need to talk to whoever compiles that. Um, if it's an ESPN metric, then someone on ESPN's payroll decide breaks down film after the fact. Yeah, well, I, I can tell you how they whether... they're, they're, they they explain it. Our our pass rush win rate metric tells us how often they use tracking data from. Uh, next-gen stats, the NFL's next-gen stats, uh, how often a pass rusher is able to beat his block within 2.5 seconds. Uh, their pass block win rate metric conveys how offensive linemen can sustain blocks uh, two five, 2.5 seconds or longer. So that's how they come up with it. Um, what's interesting is, though, like everything makes sense, Except, you know, it's it's the players you would expect. Except the Eagles. Well, three you would expect Hargrave, but right. It's so it's weird, and and maybe even uh, Sweat, but uh, Fletcher and Barnett both surprised me. I, I'm sorry, well, Sweat that tells- surprised me. I, 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 he shouldn't be in that Micah Parsons range, you would think, but you know. Jonathan Gannon has said pretty consistently, you know, people 
really block our people are really afraid of our front early in the season he had mentioned you know how quickly the quarterbacks when the completion rates were 80 percent 90 percent how quickly the, the the football was coming out and everybody rolled their eyes about um you know everybody fearing the eagles defensive line i think everybody to be honest fears the eagles defensive line i think i, I don't think he's lying well, then, if that's the case, Jonathan, here's how you should respond. Get your cornerbacks up playing man-to-man. If the if the, if, if the quarterback Fair is going to get rid of the ball in 1.6 seconds because they so fear your defensive line, well, then play man-to-man and just tell your cornerback you got to tackle. Don't make a mistake. Get up there and don't let them wriggle out of your tackle and go 65 yards. Show some faith in Stephen Nelson and Darius Slay that – you know, they're, they're in fear of our defensive line. They're going to get rid of it in 1.6 seconds. Well, then get yourself some picks. Get up and play man-to-man. Get it's on the fair. edge and give your cornerbacks a chance to make a play. It's a fair criticism, but I would say what what Jonathan Gannon fears more than anything else is the explosive play to, to a degree that hurts him, I think. Uh, I do. I think I've said from the start, people – and I like Jonathan Gannon. Everybody knows that. Uh, but I've said from the start, people want to hear it or not, he plays too much zone. I've said it from day one, and I continue to say it. Um, but I but I do think that will surprise some people because it surprised me. I didn't think they were that good. I knew, look, Hargrave's issues have been in the run game. He's been great as a pass-rushing defensive tackle. I think... That doesn't surprise people. Um, uh, with Bletcher, he's he's been playing, as Ed mentioned, he's been playing a lot better over the past number of weeks. Uh, part of that is competition as well. Uh, but he's been he's been looking like himself over the past number of weeks. Uh, Barnett's been sneaky because, you know, people can't get past the the penalties and the dumb plays and the stupid plays. But all of a sudden, you see the coaching staff putting his bat head on the wall because he's player of the game in Denver, player of the game again against the Giants, but they didn't win the game. All of a sudden, he's playing well. And then Josh Sweat has been sort of under the radar uh, because people look at sacks, and that's all they look at. But it's been a really, really effective group. Um, And now you start to look at some of the other issues, and you're right. Uh, you should probably take more chances to take advantage of the way that defensive line is playing. And it doesn't, although I am somewhat guilty of how many sacks does he have? I understand there's more to it. And you'd love to tell your Chris Long story about the picked off pass. I did. I wrote about it. I I wrote about that play because I, I, I mean, you're smiling, but think about if he sacks the case Keenum. You punt the football, and I don't know what happens. I mean, maybe the Eagles continue. And everyone assumes, you know, and look, you can't gauge momentum. But I would. T- I was in the building. Right. That place shook. I know people in Jersey were telling me you could hear it across the river. I have never seen – I've been to a lot of football games. I've always compared it to – yeah, I wish Mike Kay was here because he's a big movie guy. Indiana Jones, I think it was the Temple of Doom, where the guy rips the heart out of uh, uh, the person 
That's what the Eagles figuratively did to a team that, oh, by the way, people forget, was winning. They were winning 7 nothing and moving the football. They were favored. Yeah, They were the favored team because Nick Bowles, because of the move uh, to Nick Bowles. They had the number one defense in the NFL. If that momentum thing doesn't happen, I don't know how that game's going to go. But I don't think it's going to go the way it did go. I will say that. And it meant more to hurry the quarterback and force the bad throw than it would have to get the sack. Sacks are never bad, but other things can be even better. Well, I agree and acknowledge everything that you just said. You got to go back three and a half years to give me an example of when. Oh no, it hey, happens every would... week. Happens every week with a crappy really? yeah. throw. What, what would what? Give me an example of any play like that in this year's Eagles season. Uh, when you J- Jalen Hurts hurrying the Boston Scott throw is because he was hurried. He made a bad decision. He's running out. He should have thrown the football away. It happens literally in every game that a quarterback is hurried is put off a spot. It might be a tip football. We saw a tip football last night turn into an interception. It happens in literally every NFL game. That probably not every. I'm I'm sure there you would have to a more difficult exercise, Jody, would be finding a clean game from a quarterback who doesn't make any mistakes because he's been moved off his spot or hurried or something of that nature. Okay, so now, that, it's that, not as dramatic as the Chris Long play. That was so dramatic because it was of the stage of the momentum shift. But it happens in almost every NFL game that guys okay. get a quarterback off a spot and bad thing happens, good thing happens for the defense. Right. But there are also plays where a guy gets moved off his spot. Oh, and they and make big plays. Rather than throwing a dump off, he goes downfield and throws an 80-yard yeah. touchdown. Aaron um, Rodgers. When you get a sack, there's there there's no uh, ifs, ands, or buts. The guy goes down, he goes down. So there's a definitive end to a sack. Every quarterback pressure can either be good, it can be bad, it can end up being a non-factor. Well, and that's, that's what the beauty I said. Of a, sack. a sack is the finality, and it's a great play for the defense. I said a sack, that's what I said, a sack is never bad. Never, ever bad. And you're right. I mean, there are certain quarterbacks – and I know this, you know, Mike Zimmer told me this directly. I, you know, Aaron Rodgers, he, he told me Aaron Rodgers is the only quarterback he's ever played where you want him to run the offense. In other words, you'll, you'll take, you know, a slant for seven yards. Uh, you know, it's not good, but you'll take it. But the minute he gets outside the pocket and starts manipulating the pocket, that big play is coming. You're just yeah. you're, you're you're holding your head. You're 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 just saying, "Oh, we're screwed." But there's not a lot of guys like him. Um, most quarterbacks you want to make uncomfortable. But you're right. I mean, look, a sack is a finality. A sack is never bad. Never ever ever bad for the defense. Here's Even where... a one yard sack, still better. Here's where I would give some um, significance to that stat that you were quoting earlier about individual win rate by a defensive lineman on a play. 
they do their judgment. They use two point five seconds, and if you beat your man or you have leverage, I still don't understand, uh, and I don't know that you even know how to explain as to how they decide is it a win or not. I'm guessing the actual outcome of the play doesn't factor into no. whether they think a player no. won a play or not. No, that, that's, that's that's what I would do to actually justify hey he won his matchup for eight consecutive plays against the up the defensive line offensive line he was going against yeah but they had seven successful plays so what does it matter if you won your play and the other team completed a 16 yard pass yeah but what is every i mean from a coaching perspective you can understand it you're 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 saying you know it's the ultimate team game as it's always said, you need 11 players playing, winning on every play, and then you're going to do some really special things. But, if you know, you know that's not going to happen most of the time. So as a coach, when you evaluate players, you're saying, what is this guy doing his job? Is this guy winning? And that's important. I mean, no, it might not be important on a particular play, but it's important to get better as a football team. And, you know, hey, I'll be the first when I started looking at this ESPN pass rush win rate metric. I said, uh, this is, this is nonsense. I, I was, that was my first thought. And then I started looking, I'm a big context guy. I say it all the time. I started looking at the other people on the list and it's everybody you ex- expect to be on the list. The weird part. And I've always said this with Brandon Graham over the years. I do think finishing on the pass rush is a trait because Brandon has been a great, great player, but he's never been a 10 sack guy. I do think finishing is a skill on the pass rush. I don't think the Eagles have a lot of finishers um, and it could be better and you'd like to have finishers, but they're good players. They're good players across the board. And I don't think enough people realize that. And one of the things that the NFL has done, again, because here's one that John and I agree on, it's in the over-legislation business. Yeah, if you don't get there, if you're not close, if you are at a point where, and that's the the amount of time you have to make the decision, if you don't think you're going to get there, chances are you pull up. Because if you're going to try and lunge and make that last and you hit them late, that's going to end up a Derek Barnett penalty for uh, roughing the quarterback because he was close and he thought he had a chance and the quarterback got rid of the football and all of a sudden an incomplete pass becomes a 15-yard penalty. That's why I think they, they probably still give you a win rate on that. You won your play. Not knowing again how ESPN uses this stat, I'm thinking a 15-yard roughing the passer penalty means you beat your man, you got to the quarterback, that's a win for you. No, it's a loss for the team. It's a 15-yard penalty. So that's why I'm not putting much uh, credence into that. By the way, I want to also bring this up. Uh, So defensive tackle, Aaron Donald, as I said, number one. Javon Hargrave, number two. Quinnen Williams, number three. New York Jets. Jody Fletcher, number six. Um, and Quinnen, by the way, 16%. It goes Aaron Donald's 29%. How good is Aaron Donald, by the way? 
Aaron Donald's number one at 29%. Uh, then comes Javon Hargrave at 20%. <laughs> That's the difference. Whereas if you look at uh, the edge rushers, Garrett is 27%. Barnett is actually 27% as well. Uh, just Garrett's a little bit higher as you take the number out. Um, so Williams is third at 16%. Fletcher's sixth at 14 Sheldon Rankins, number nine. Two Jets in there as well. So there's some positivity for your, for your New York football uh, Jets. But back to the penalty thing, coaches will not – downgrade players for crappy calls i mean they want i mean it's one of those things and i've given gannon credit for this as well there's nothing you can do about it you know you just tell me the down the distance i mean if it's a legitimate call you you downgrade the player if it's not and we've seen plenty that's not i mean you're not going to kill the player because of stupid over legislation or or officials on field doing something they shouldn't have called. That's not the player's fault. No, it isn't. That's why there has to be so much more into this evaluation. And and again, I'm readily admitting, I don't even know how they decide what is or isn't a win. But it sounds to me like it doesn't really have to eventually lend itself to a successful play for the Philadelphia Eagles to become a win if both their defensive ends are in the top five. Or it's the just- Jets. Top 10 defensive tackles. Both of the Jets? Yeah. Uh, okay. Quinnen Williams, number three. Sheldon Rankins, number nine. Now, Rankins isn't terrible. He's a, I think he's a better against the run than he is against the pass, but he's, he's not a bad DT. All right. Uh, we only got 15 minutes left. We're going to make the most of it. We'll come back. Neither John or I have officially gotten on the record. And I think we've done a good job of not tipping our hand either. Unlike Ed Kratz, who did the complete 180 on us, made it sound like he was going <laughs> yeah, to pick the Jets and then get back and pick the Eagles. He pulled the string on us, Jody. He did. He really did. And we congratulate him for that. All right. McMullen and McDonald coming back. Final segment on a football Friday, getting you ready for the Eagles and the Jets on Sunday at MedLife Stadium. <laughs> At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 
or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. You got John McFall and Jody McCown. You're back on that guy's John Briggs 365. All right, uh, we'll get... Filled on the stream afterwards, uh, depending on how our picks go. Funny, nobody uh, ever streams us and says, damn, what the hell happened? You guys went against the birds, uh, went for the birds last week and they got crushed. No, you only get killed if you make the pick ahead of time and uh, you don't have faith in the Eagles before they take the field. Yeah. But I digress. Um, That list, you have that list still in front of you, win-pass ratio? Uh, No, but I can... Uh, see if you can find that for me um how deep do they go do you need x amount of snaps per your team to be able to is it a percentage you you gave out some percentages so i'm assuming it's a percentage but i'm guessing you need to play x amount of snaps because there's one other eagle player i'd love to know what his win ratio is um the i only have the top 10 at east each position, oh, okay. but it is, it is guys that only play. It's not, right. you know, it's not, uh, so you, it is pretty obvious that you do have to reach a certain playing level because they don't have uh, players that don't play on there. Right. Cause um, last week uh, I actually thought a couple guys played well on the defensive line. I had to come on here on Monday and say, you know, Derek Barnett had a pretty good game. He's one of the guys that, I've kind of closed the book on John chides me all the time. Once, <laughs> once Jody Mack closes the book, there's no reopening it. Like Vince Velasquez with the Phillies, I'm there with Derek Barnett. He's not going to be here next year. If he is, feel free to. If we're still doing Birds 365, knock me, mock me, call me, make fun no, of me. No, I agree. Me. I don't think he's going to be here next right. year. I'm with so, you. We've got six more games of Derek Barnett to go. And then good luck, best of luck. Take your record-setting accomplishments from Tennessee somewhere else. Um but Barnett played pretty well last week. He did have one really good uh, pressure, and um, he, I thought, was pretty damn stout against the run, as was Milt Williams for me. I thought he threw in a good game last week. And, again, I don't watch coaches tape. I don't sit down and break down every snap that he has. I tape the game, and I go back and watch certain aspects of it. I watch the Greg Ward incomplete pass, not a drop, like some people have called, how do you not make that play? He's fully extended, diving for the ball. It goes off his fingertips, and Jalen Hurts 
through a laser from about eight feet away. But somehow that was a big drop by Greg Ward. I don't think so. Um, but I didn't rewatch all of Milton Williams' play. But I thought he played pretty well. And and I, I think he is part of the Eagles' defensive line future going forward. Agree or disagree, Johnny Mack? Oh, not unquestionably, he's part of, of, of it moving forward. I mean, yeah, I asked Fletcher about him yesterday because <clears throat> we're at that time of the rookie wall time of the year where college is basically done after this weekend um, and for a lot of teams last weekend. So um, it is that rookie wall and, you know, he's, they've been amping him up and I think doing a pretty good job. He's at uh, 310 total uh, snaps. Um, so, you know, you obviously Brandon Graham's injury played into that, but he's getting a decent amount of playing time. And I think he is improving um, week in and week out. And uh, it's going to take a while, but I think he's going to be a good player. Um, it, there's clearly a difference when that front, when the starters aren't on the field, but um, he's, he's, he's been slowly improving and that's what you want from a rookie player. Yeah, I, I was impressed with him this past week, and I think he is a keeper, a guy who's going to be a factor on the Eagles line going forward. All right, um, how many of the Alabama guys did you get to talk to this week? Did they make um, Devontae Smith, Jalen Hurts? Uh, Jalen, yeah, Jalen talked uh, Wednesday on his normal day because he wanted to say, I'm playing. Right. Um, he wanted to shut that down pretty quickly. Landon talked. Uh, yesterday, Devonte has not spoken this week yet. Um, maybe we'll get him today. Um, I'm trying to think. I didn't miss him. No, he didn't speak this Did, week, which is a little bit weird. Right? Did anybody get a roll tide question with the SEC championship game coming up on Saturday? You know, I wasn't landing to have what's called the they they have the podium in the mix zone. Uh, Landon was in the mix zone when uh, somebody higher profile was speaking. Uh, so I didn't get a chance to talk to Landon. Um, usually that's, that's Bo Wolf's wheelhouse, the goopy questions. So usually, yeah, Bo, um, Bo might that, throw one of those in there, but um, yeah, Alabama guys are, man, they are, I, I, Alabama guys are number one in NLSU guys. I mean, they are thick as thieves and they are, they love Alabama. And it's interesting because Jalen transferred out, uh, but he still considers himself an Alabama guy. Landon transferred in from Florida State for people who don't know. And he still considers himself an Alabama. Those guys are thickest thieves man. loyal to their alma mater and uh, i will be in front of the tv watching georgia versus alabama on saturday and i'm rooting ever. i'm sorry Xander kraus i am rooting for georgia i do not want to see alabama in the stinking college football playoffs again i was rooting for auburn i want to see something different i want to see something different i want to see cincinnati in there I want to see Oklahoma State in there. And, oh, by the way, I know everybody hates Notre Dame, but that college football – but did you see the quote about Brian Kelly fleeing Notre Dame? And 
that whoever runs the guy, and I forget the gentleman's name, I'll try to get it, said, oh, they don't have Brian Kelly, so that's going to factor into it. And, and they're going to, if everything breaks Notre Dame's way, which is unlikely, but if everything breaks their way, you're going to blame the kids because the coach bailed on them? That is horrible to me. What do you mean by blame the kids? I, I'm saying they're not considering Notre Dame because their coach left. And who's to say? Oh, the uh, committee is going yes. to hold it against yes. the kids because of yes. Yeah, no, they, 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 I don't believe the committee will do that. If Notre well, Dame he said have, it, he said it, he said it in the transcript when he when they released the rankings. He, oh, the really? guy flat out said it, which oh, stunned that's, me. That's that's stunned me. That's foolish. Now, a couple things have to fall into place, oh, uh, which yeah. I don't think are going but to happen. If they do, and I agree, if they do, though. You shouldn't blame it against the stinking kids. It's ridiculous. No. And who's to say Marcus Freeman isn't going to be better? I don't know about better, but good enough. Uh, that's all he needs to be. And and Notre Dame, you're right, shouldn't be punished because Brian Kelly decided to get up and leave. Uh, but I will say this, and I've taken a lot of uh, bad feedback on this um, from non-Alabama fans. If the game is close between Alabama and Georgia. Two lost team can't be in there can't be in there yeah you're you're like everybody else most of the college football i blatantly disagree if alabama gets beat by georgia georgia kicks a game-winning field goal 24 23 on saturday you're going to tell me the oklahoma state's a better team than alabama no but i don't want them in there well they, I, no, I, they, I don't see, want them in there see you are just as bad as that no. idiot on the college bowl committee no, you don't want them because you're tired of looking at no, alabama no. You no. don't give a you don't give a flying you know what about the Alabama kids who want to no, get in no, this year no, and believe no, that they've earned no, a spot no, in this year. No, they didn't earn a spot. They lost. They twice. earned a spot in Oklahoma State in my mind. They're the a better Cincinnati, team than Oklahoma State. Cincinnati. If they beat Georgia, they earned a spot. If they lose to Georgia, what are you saying to the Cincinnati kids? What are you saying to the Oklahoma got, State kids? I got Cincinnati in. I got Oklahoma State out. What what are you saying to those kids? I'm telling tell, they're what I'm the saying top to ten teams. Kids is sorry, the Big Twelve is not comparable to the SEC. If, That's if, 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 if Oklahoma State beats uh, Oklahoma and Baylor back to back, two top ten teams. Um, no, I mean they're getting in. They're getting in from my perspective. Otherwise, just make it the SEC championship, which I'm fine with. So consider Georgia versus Alabama the national championship game, which it might be. But this whole mentality of so-and-so is going to get blown out, so-and-so is going to get blown out, this and that. I don't know. Would a Central Florida get blown out back when they were undefeated? Probably, but I don't know. Will Cincinnati get blown out? Probably. Right. Then let me, let me but ask I don't this know. question. Mr. Notre Dame should not be punished because Kelly's gone, which I agree with you. Who gets in a two loss Notre Dame, a, a one loss Notre Dame team, or a two loss Alabama oh, team Notre in Dame. a coin flip? See, Notre I, Dame, Notre Dame, Oklahoma State, uh, Cincinnati, Cincinnati beat Notre Dame. Um, Cincinnati should be in as Cincinnati undefeated. Be in. We agree o on that. Oklahoma State should be ahead of Notre Dame, uh, but if everything falls for Notre Dame, they shouldn't be penalized for their coach leaving. I don't think that's controversial. And by the way, everybody, because Notre Dame's been in, what, three times during the Kelly regime. They've been blown out every time. Everybody says they're blown out, blown out. We don't want them in there because they're going to get blown out. What was the score of 
Alabama, Ohio State last year in the in the championship. Yeah, which Notre Dame was stinking closer than Ohio State. I mean, That's these people true. are nuts. Look, you can only play who the schedule plays. And if you go through the season, if Alabama's a one-loss team, they're in. Look, no questions asked because they're great. I'm not defending. But if they lose two, no. They can't. I can't get them dispensation because they're Alabama. No, it's not because they're Alabama. It's because it's the SEC is just that good. And that's why I would. Now, it's got to be a close game. It's got to be a coin flip game. Georgia has crushed everyone they played this year. They've won every game by double digits. Georgia's, Georgia's in they whether Clemson way back in September, 10 to three, but he didn't that where, by a touchdown. And, and by the way, I give dispensation to the sec. Georgia's in no matter what, I'm not taking Georgia out. Even if they lose, even if they lose by three touchdowns, I'm not taking Georgia out. That's my sec dispensation. I do have an SB, no, it's SEC, not. It's, you, but you, two losses. You have no, you have an SEC, not counting Alabama dispensation is what you have. No, two loss Alabama, which is a big caveat. Not one loss Alabama, two loss, two loss Alabama. When there's undefeated, there's an undefeated team, and there's a bunch of good one loss teams. Here's here's what I'm taking into consideration that I don't think you are. You lose the last week, which is a championship game for a conference, your last regular season game to the number one team in the nation that hasn't been held in a competitive game all year by a field goal at the buzzer. Yeah, I'm going to give them some consideration. It's a loss, but it's not well, a, it's, and it's this a is good about, loss this, is what this it is. Has been, this and an is, Alabama with a one bad loss, one good loss, could get in for me. Yeah. This, this is what has been college football's problem forever. When they didn't, when they had a mythical national champion, they didn't even have a playoff. You know, it's not what you think. It's not what I think. I think Alabama is better than, you know, everybody, except maybe Georgia. I agree with you there. What I think, it shouldn't come into the point that they lost two football games. They didn't they didn't live up to what they were supposed to do if they lose two football games. Okay. They can't be in. That's my thought process. And we'll see if the committee agrees with that. If they're just gonna keep it simple and judged by harsh records and two lost teams can't get in. You're right, Alabama's not gonna get in. I think they've shown in the past that they will add their own subjectivity to it. Now, when you do that, you open yourself, you're up for Yeah, and that's why they suck. They do. And- I agree with you. They add their own. They said it on the transcript of Brian Kelly. That was the dumbest thing you could possibly say. Just keep your mouth shut and say, all right, we're not going to let them in because Brian Kelly's not there. Don't say it in public. So they're dumb and they are subjective. And I don't agree with that. That's the part I don't like. We'll see how it shakes out. It should be fun uh, after the playoff action or the uh, conference championship action. All right, you and I got to get on the record. We're running over here. Oh, yeah. Eagles, Jets, Sunday. What do you got? 48 years of history, unsolved mysteries. I don't know why, but the Eagles are going to win this game 24 to 19. Not a blowout. We're, we're damn close. Uh, as a matter of fact, you and I are close. Ed Kratz and I are exactly the same. Mm. Um, 
I think you and Kratz get together. This is like the third time. Did Eddie say 23-17? Yeah, 23-17. See, I have no faith in the Jets field goal kicker. Amendola's not very good. He looks good with his shirt off. Um, But (laughs) I'm more worried about his legs than his lats. Okay. Uh, I think he gets one field goal, misses one extra point, another touchdown. I'll go 23-16. I think Eddie All went right. 23-17. Uh, and oh, by the way, that's right on the spread. It's six and a half, seven. It's up yeah, to I'm, seven I'm, I'm in most the Jets places. when it comes to the spread. I think the Jets will, will keep it uh, within the spread. I'm going to say it's a stone-cold push. It's a no-play game. If you're going to play the game, play under. I don't think they're going to be a ton of points scored in this one, as a matter of fact. But Kratz has the Eagles winning. McMullen has the Eagles winning. I have the Eagles winning. We'll be back here on Monday to talk about it. And if they lose again, we'll all be apologizing. We're all accountable. Everybody's accountable. accountable. We'll all be a – and, oh, by the way, I think Alabama – Stays close and is within a field goal, and we'll be able. I will be fired up. We'll be able to have this conversation again on Monday, Johnny Mac. I will be fired up if there are two lost team in that. I will be fired up. We'll talk about it all next week, right here on Bird Street Street Five. Don't forget all the Jacob Media, the post game show. John is part of it and everything. Uh, It doesn't just stop with us. You got the middle coming up. You got Cilio coming up. If you want to get ready for an NFL weekend, don't even think about turning off the Jacob Media YouTube channel. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify.